G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman and I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to the program today. Hunty, how are you going? Oh, I'm busy back here, but it's always good to be here on a lovely afternoon in Sydney. This is your third go on these this equipment. How do you feel about that? Um, yes, yeah, so we've got some more new toys. We've now got our live video running. If you want to watch us also, we're right now also on Facebook. You can catch us on the Aussie Pastor Facebook page or the Faith FM Facebook page and touch wood and praise the Lord. All is running right now. <laughs> because it has the first, we've, this is our third go on this. This equipment has given you a bit of a run, hasn't it? Um, yeah, look, it's more just getting software chosen and working. It's actually the gear's pretty good. I'm just, just getting it figured out. Oh, okay. No worries at all. And have you had a good week, man? Mate, have you had a great week. How about you? Yeah. But oh, I know. I opened the door there, haven't I? <laughs> I'm feeling the cold. Oh. Are you feeling the cold today? I know. Because the weather has, has had a turn here in Sydney and it's not good. Tell, tell us why you're feeling the cold, mate. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I think it's just turning winter, isn't it? I know why you're feeling the cold, because you've been on a diet and you're losing weight. A little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. You, and that's, also why, been, that's also why you've had a good week, eh? You, you've actually been going pretty well, too, until this weekend, where... Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, can oh dear. we say it was your wife who led you astray? Sure. Jackie would be listening to us, so she may not be happy. Let's, let's blame my wife. Yeah, it's so many <laughs> Easter eggs. I, I can't even... I've lost count. What? So, Easter for you... Because you had the weekend off? No, not really. Not really. You didn't really have it off, did you? Um, we had a great weekend uh, with our uh, media evangelism. We put up three programs over Easter on the true meaning of Easter, which have gone over really well. Okay. All right. So if you want to see them, where would you go to? Yeah, I recommend you see them because if you don't know why we celebrate Easter, they're only short 10, 15 minutes, and you can catch them on the Aussie Pastor Facebook page or the Aussie Pastor YouTube channel. Now, with this new setup we've got in here, I've got a nice, great big screen in front of me. And for each section, it has a timing. Dante <laughs> <laughs> knows where I'm going. We're way off, man. I reckon we're four and a half minutes into this. Um, what's happening on the program today, my friend? <laughs> okay, what's happening on the program today? Well, we've got one of our regulars. We've got Harold Harker. He's got a great story for us. Yep. We've got an amazing couple of, of, of videos, which I, I don't want to give away, um, from the Middle East, which will astound you. And we have the most amazing story about Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, actually, Jeffrey Dahmer was a um, serial killer who badly, um, I think he took out 17 or 18 men, Hunty. Um, and it's stunning, but he found Christ. Yep. Hard to believe, but he actually found Christ. Yep. His story is amazing, but what's amazing is another story we're going to look at from the Bible today of a guy who is actually a worse criminal than Jeffrey Dahmer. And he has something very surprising in his resume, this fellow. So I hope and pray that today, uh, as you join us on this program, that can bring you plenty of hope. Now, I had already prepared, Hunty, yep. and I can tell you I have no idea what's happened here. But in my notes, I had all the stuff for this, <laughs> this day, day today. In history. I had it. I had wow. it. I had it. So I'm trying to remember, and it's just disappeared. In fact, all my program has pretty oh, much dear. disappeared. Uh, when you uh, when you um, texted me earlier today and said, "Can you send me back the news story?" I thought, 
Uh-oh. No, no, that was I'd never had that in my major program here. I don't know what's gone, and I've I've hit the edit undo thing, and nothing's happening, and so I'm just going to have to live with this, and we'll get through the program one way or another. Well, the countdown clock's correct now. It actually says this segment's got left in it. Mm, oh, okay, six well minutes. <laughs> well, I can tell you some things that did happen because I can remember on the 11th of April, wow. in 1976, a big deal, Hunty. And again, this is one of those things that hits you. Ooh. That's about the only thing I can remember from this day in history. Yep. Apple put out its first computer. Oh, the two. Eh? Oh, yeah, the first computer. Well, I don't know what it was. Do you, uh, did you ever see the first Apple computer? Not What, you would have been 76, 12 years of age. Were you interested in computers at that age? No, but I, I very early into high school, got very ex- excited about computers and got into them. Yeah, I have seen some of the very early computers. This wasn't the Apple that we had when we were in year 10 and 11, was it? No, we, I, think we had Apple what was II, I think we had Apple IIe's, I think, when we were in senior high school. I don't know what they were. They were a funny-looking little computer. And, I, and they, the, the computer, and then they had, the, they had a, a screen and something underneath them, and it was all in one. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, interesting little fun fact. Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs made these first batch of computers in Steve's parents' garage. Yeah, I thought that was the case. And they signed them. Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, they signed each circuit board as they made them. If you've got one of the first Apple computers and you open it, if you can find one with Steve Jobs' signature on it, you have got a very, very expensive toy. Wow. I can remember another thing now. Apollo 13. Do you remember Apollo 13? Yep, yep. It took off today in 19... I reckon it might have been 67 for the moon... But don't get me. But it was this day. Well, yep. anyway, they never made it. You know what happened, don't you? Oh, An oxygen no. cylinder blew up. They made a movie out of it, Tom Hanks, and they never made it to the moon. Now there was a whole lot of other interesting things that happened on this day. I can't remember them, Hunty. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I know we're going to do Ask the Aussie Pasta today. Um, yeah. Is it too late to get a question in, Hunty? It's not, and we would love to hear from you. Let me quickly give you our contact details. Um, you can text us your question on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email us, and the email address is theaussiepasta at gmail.com. Okay. And how about you start with a prayer, brother? Yep, sure. If you're not working or driving, you can please bow oh, your heads with us. <laughs> he got that in this week. Good on you, brother. Yeah, I mm. made a mistake last week, mm. playing with people driving to bow their heads. All right. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you at the start of this radio program this afternoon, Lord, I pray for your blessings on my mate, Pastor Lloyd. Um, as he speaks to us through the Bible, Lord, I pray that you'll be with him and speak through him. But, Lord, I mostly especially pray for all of our listeners, Lord. I pray a special blessing, a blessing of peace, a blessing of love upon them, Lord. Please reach into all their hearts and lives and let them know that you're real. I pray, Lord, that we uh, will do our very best this afternoon, lift you high in our community, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Did they hear that were who them from you, Hunter? Of course, because I actually the button actually worked this time. Last week I pressed it and there was stunning silence. Oh, so that's why we got a little wahoo. That's what the woohoo was for, yeah. Okay, mate. Um, look, I again I just can't find anything here, mate. How can things disappear on my Apple have computer? You, have you lost your news as well? Um I can send that back to you. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things. No, I've I've got the songs and I've got a part of the Bible study, and the rest is gone. Oh, you know, I brush my hand across the uh, 
Yes. What do you call the it? The trackpad to clean it. Yeah, and I do all sorts of things, so... Oh, well, never to worry. This first song. Now, this is a church song. We've just come out of Easter. We had a good Easter. And the reason I chose this song, Hunty, it is a church song, and I get that not all our listeners are used to church. This is the first Methodist church in Houston, Texas. It's a big church. And they're recording one of their hymns, and it's a famous Easter hymn, Up from the Grave of Your Rose, talking about Jesus arising. But the way they start their church service, everybody's in the church, and there's a gentle hum through the church, and then the organist will just start to play. And you'll experience this, Hunty, yep. as, as we play it. It is a glorious hymn, but again, I get that not everybody understands or is used to or hears church music very much. In a lot of churches, if you go, not all of them, but in a lot of churches, this is the sort of music you'd hear. Now you'd say, oh, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, you get used to it, don't you, Hunty? Mm, and not only get you used to it, you begin to appreciate it. It's quite beautiful. I like this song. It's a beautiful song, and I think you'll enjoy it.
pretty majestic hymn. Indeed. Yeah, I like it. Very big. They, yeah, Love big hymns. That's a big, that was a big church that it came out of, actually. Yep. Houston, Texas, not just Houston. Texas seems to have a lot of um, churches in it. Is that, have you been to Texas? I have Houston? many times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of churches, real Bible Belt. Well, that's what I've heard anyway. Oh, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's beautiful. They've got nice big churches and modern churches. Okay. Beautiful. Hey, um, some news this week. There's been some interesting news. Uh, I'm on a new uh, search engine called Brave. Yes, I put you onto it. No, you didn't actually. Didn't I? No, you did not. Someone I was else happily did. taking credit for that too. <laughs> no, you definitely did not put me onto it. One of my mates on Facebook did. You probably mentioned it to me, and I didn't listen to you. Um, and one of the reasons I'm on there is because it's a good search engine. It's a secure search engine, um, and I think it's kind of taken off Chrome. But they're saying now that you can. There's a well. You tell us, Hunty, what they're saying technically, because you you're across this sort of stuff better than I am. Okay, so if you just use. Safari, say you're a Mac user, yep, and you're just using Safari or Google Chrome, you are being tracked and you are being fed advertising based on algorithms. The algorithms are basically the computer trying to get to know you, trying to figure out what you like, what you want to see, and what it can sell to you. That's really more of the question is, what do you like, what can I get away with selling to you? So constantly, things are being put in front of your screen that you might buy, whereas Brave... No, no, not brave. No, no, no. You've gone down the wrong. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've gone from brave. Yes, brave blocks them from getting. Yeah, you don't get all these ads. Sorry, hunty. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> what I meant was the first news article where they can take your face. Someone can take your face. There's a new. Um, yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got for it. For twenty nine dollars right. ninety five a week. So come on, take us from there, brother. Right. Look, those of you who who know Google Chrome and know Google well know that you can take any photograph that you've got on your computer or any photo that you've been sent and you can do a reverse search. I so didn't can, know that. You can put it back into Google Chrome. I didn't know that. Yeah, I do it all the time. So you can you can get anything that you've, you've found anywhere on the planet and you can put it back into Google Chrome and say, where does this photo come from? And it'll search every website that it has listed and categorized in its database. Really? And it'll give you every example of that photo. I use it all the time for our, for our uh, production, for our TV commercials and for our ministry photos and ministry vids because sometimes you'll send me a photo and it's low resolution. So I'll put it back into Google Chrome and I'll have it find me a high resolution version of it. Anyway, there's now a company that's doing an even deeper search through the internet for specifically people's faces. So as a consumer, you could sign up to this company and they will keep a check on the entire internet for you looking for your likeness. Now, for people like me, it makes not much difference because I'm not very well known, but for someone like Lloyd... It doesn't worry me. I'm sure it doesn't worry... Not even in the slightest. It doesn't worry, Lloyd, but there's a lot of celebrities who have their photo and their persona attached to things to sell them. So there'll be a photo of Lloyd standing in front of his car saying, you know, get shares in this stock. I've got lots of shares in this stock. It's really great. I recommend it. And so people are taking your likeness and your your cachet, taking your personality and your value as an as an authentic person and using it to promote their goods and wares. And that's very bad, especially if well, you're promoting things you don't like, alcohol, cigarettes. Yeah, it, it, what, but the article wasn't so worried about that. It was worried about the safety of, say, women. Who someone picks mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. photo up somewhere online, and then is able to reverse. What do you call that? Reverse. Yeah, reverse lookup. So they can they yeah. can find out you know your Facebook profile, who you work for, where you live, and and that's potentially for twenty nine dollars ninety five mm. a month. 
Mm. And apparently, I'm not saying the name of the the company because I don't really want to advance this, but apparently it could be really, really dangerous for people. Yeah, especially if you've escaped some sort of some sort of abusive relationship and you're you are staying well, hidden from an not, abusive ex. Not just that, mate. What if some crazy gets a hold of you and decides that's what he wants to do? Yeah, exactly. You know, mm. so it's quite a worry. Um, this next one, massive cyclone headed for the Western Australia coast. They seem to get hit with these cyclones all the time. Yeah, absolutely. At, at least they've they've got a, enough hours notice this time. For everyone to prepare, get your yeah, first aid where, kit, where do you get go? your torch. What do you do? I mean, if you've really got a cyclone going for you, the best thing I can think of is get in your car and take off. But And you would outrun it. There's definitely no doubt mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. You'd outrun it. Yep. I've been in a cyclone. Have you ever been in a cyclone? Yeah, I've been on the fringes of a cyclone pretty no, bad. I've been right in the middle of one in Brisbane. It brought about, the, I think it might have been the one that brought about the Brisbane flood. Can't remember. Back in the 70s, sometime, 70 three or something or other. And I remember going down the beach after the cyclone and it was just one mass of foam. Um, remember the intense winds. Um, pretty scary events. And they reckon this cyclone, and if you're over on the West Australian coast in the north, God be with you and may you stay safe because these are dangerous times for you. Um, they reckon this might be the worst cyclone in a generation. Yeah, well, it's... it's reportedly supposed to be bringing quite a lot of rain, so that'll mean lots of floods as well. And packing huge winds. <laughs> so you've actually never been in the middle of a cyclone, or a, what about a hurricane? Because you spent a fair bit of time in the US. Have you been in one of them, Hunty? Or um, no, no. He's I got haven't. something going down here. I'm watching him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was just making sure our next guest was in. We've got our next guest on Zoom. Uh, okay. Um, hey, okay. Hey, hang on. Before you go, I got a text. Yeah. Oh dear. I do. I have a text. Oh, from my wife. This is on the Easter eggs. This is on the Easter egg. Yeah. Shall I read it? Yes. I heard that comment. Throw me under the bus, LOL. I really had to twist your arms so hard. Actually, there are a lot of times Hunty's a man of steel. I'm going to give him that. When it comes to diet and things, I'll go to get him something. He'll go, nah, nah, and I can't tempt him. You can get him to smell it. He won't do it. But there's one thing I know for sure I'm going to get him with every single time. This is a 100% strike rate chocolate. <laughs> So he true. can be on the most. He can be on the most hardline diet, but if you put chocolate in front of him, he's in massive mm, trouble. Weakness. So if you want to soften Hunty up, send him some chocolate. He'd love it. If you've got an address, I can send that to Hunty. <laughs> <laughs> we're a little bit competitive because we're both losing weight at true, the moment, true, true, so true. we kind of rejoice. We're, most good friends rejoice in others' uh, great others victories. The downfalls, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're not exactly doing. I got a lot of pleasure out of knowing Hunty had a chocolate weekend. I didn't. I didn't, Hunty. I, I was at church on Sabbath, mate. I even had a soup for lunch. I didn't have any of the church lunch wow. on that. Mm. Hey, um, and this last one is, I think it's a very worrying thing. The United States and, uh, of America and China squaring off, possibly for the first time in the Philippine Sea, you've got the United States fleet out of Japan and the, and, 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 and the Chinese fleet, and they're squaring off in front of each other, and you can see it if you look at the article in, in, in news. You can actually see the map of where they're just facing each other like two bulldogs ready to go for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll sometimes wonder, I, <laughs> you might think that the Chinese president had learned by watching what's happened to President Vladimir Putin in Ukraine where he's just got bogged down in a terrible war. Mm. And you would wonder why you'd want to attack Taiwan. Even 
even to bring Taiwan back into China, I would think that the blood and the loss of life for China and Taiwan, let alone the Americans in the West, it would be so high that this sort of stuff should really be out of calculation. Mm. I mean, the weapons we have to kill each other now, and the fact that you could threaten war in this day and age, it, it, it really does tell you what sort of world we live in, doesn't it? Mm, very sad. Yeah. And I think when you see privacy being invaded like it is, and I know you're very worried about privacy being invaded, Hunty. Um, um, I'm also worried about the ramifications. Once your privacy is invaded, for, for us particularly, if we, if we lose access to our social media accounts and our YouTube accounts and others can post what they like and lock us out, we have to start again, and I really don't want to do that. So I think when you see privacy invaded as we do, when you see these massive cyclones, they're increasing in frequency and intensity, and then you see nations like the USA and China squaring off nuclear-armed nations, I think you better look up to the east because Jesus is coming. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Uh, Hunty, I better um, ask you again. Have you been to the Brooklyn Tabernacle? You said yes, you have. I have many times. Did, no, just, just just the once. What just to because this is a very famous Protestant church in New York. Is that right? Yeah, it's um, oh in, just in, outside of in, New York. Yeah, in Brooklyn. Where's yeah. Where's Brooklyn from? New York. Close enough. It's like Sydney to Hornsby. Oh, okay. So it is kind of the same. I've yep. been to New York, but I've never been out. I never spent a lot of time in New York. Only time I ever went to New York was with my wife. I flew in from. London, she took me to, where are all those famous plays? Oh, yeah, Broadway. Broadway. Very good. So I went into one of those places at Broadway to watch a play. I'd just flown in from London. I sat down and fell asleep. (laughs) Woke up. Woke up. It was coming to an end, and it was one of the best sleeps I've ever had. Never been interested in dramas and plays and things like that. You know that, Hunty? Never have. I know you take an interest because you like the sets and the lights and all all the... All the tech stuff. Yeah, yeah. You probably don't look much at the the play itself, but you're looking at everything else. Um, This next song comes from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. I never heard it before. I only heard it this weekend, and I loved it. In fact, I loved it so much I listened to it about eight times. I thought, okay, I'm going to play this to our radio audience, see what they think. It's called I Bless Your Name, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Oh, dear. What a shocker.
What do you think, Hunty? Wow. No, I love big songs. You like that song? I do. Yeah. Yeah, really good. How many sat in that church when you went to it? Oh, it's a long time ago. It was in the 80s. I can't even remember. Was it thousands? I reckon. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you've been to a lot of places you can't remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I, I enjoy that little um, text from your wife, by the way. I thought that was good. For those of you who wonder, Hunty sits behind a tech desk here. I reckon it's got more buttons than a 747 flight deck. What do you reckon, mate? Yeah, we got we got a few buttons here. It's fun. Yeah, it's quite amazing, really. Um, have we got Harold online? Well, let's have a look. Let's see. I'm hoping so. Yeah, we should do. Yep. Yes, we have, Lloyd. Got him. How are you, Harold? I'm doing fine. It's nice and warm up here. So you're still up in Cairns? Yes, another six weeks yet. Well, um, down here, Hunty and I have got jumpers on today. It's pretty cool. Um <laughs> You wouldn't have up here, let me tell you. Okay. Um, we're going to look at a guy today that I'd never heard of, Johan, which is John Bullinger. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Johan Heinrich. Heinrich would be Henry in ours. Yes. Uh, Bullinger, he was a great guy for the Reformation. Yeah. Is he well known before we get into his life or not really? Because I haven't heard of him. Well, if you've been to Zurich, and seen the great cathedral of Zwingli. Yep. This guy followed Zwingli as the main pastor there. Yeah, I and mean, as we're about to find out, a pretty fiery preacher in his own right too. Um, You're Zw- right. Zwingli was known for his fire and brimstone preaching, and this guy wasn't far behind. Um, when and where was Johann <laughs> Ballinger born? He was born in Swit. This is in Switzerland, Bremgarten, in the eastern part of Switzerland, on the 18th of July in. 1504. Just for us who don't know Europe so well, the eastern part of Switzerland would border Germany, is that correct? No, the the northern part would go into Germany, the western part goes into France, the southern part into uh, Italy, and so in Switzerland they speak a bit of three languages, uh, Italian, French, and German. This was in the German side. Side they would call it Schweizer Deutsch. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. German, yeah, yeah, over in the German side. Yeah, fair enough. Um, his father's a pastor, but his parents had a very unusual relationship. Tell us about that. And when yeah, I say well, a pastor, was, yeah, a priest. Yeah, sorry, he was. He was a priest. He was the dean of the big church in this place. But in those days, the bishop of Constance had said, okay, you priests, if you want to take a woman as a concubine, bring her in, but you've got to pay me a yearly fee. And so his father was Heinrich, and he'd paid a yearly fee. In fact, this guy uh, was the fifth child to this couple. Oh, well, they were even, even though you might have called them a concubine, in some sense they were an old married couple. That's about right. Um, and I guess the reason that, his mother was called a concubine and his father had to pay the local bishop was simply because at that time in the Catholic Church they would have had a rule that priests don't marry by then. Is that correct? That's right. They couldn't marry, so you get someone on the side. Okay. (laughs) Where did he study as a boy? Well, when he was 12, he was sent off to a gymnasium school at Emirates in the Duchy of Cleves. So he had a great school. And then when he was 15, his father Heinrich said, 
hey, you've got to go into the clergy. And so he sent him off to be a student at the University of Cologne. Fancy going to university when you were 15 away from your parents. Well educated again, um, sent off to become a priest. Um, what great reformer did he come in contact with during his studies and what did he decide to do? When, when he's at university, Martin Luther's beliefs and they were spread right across Europe and they were discussed by everyone at the university and he said, I'm going to read them for myself. And he took the Bible and the writings of Luther and Melanchthon and the preaching of Zwingli at that time, and so he joined the Reformation. So it had quite an impact on him as he would study it. Oh, sure did. He really didn't want to go to the Catholic Church. I'm a reformer now. That was his where he was. So what work did he then do? What did he start to do? Well, now this is interesting because... In 1522, uh, and he would have been 18 at this time, he became the head of the cloister school. Now, that's a school for monks at Capel. But he said, now, look, I don't want to go to Mass and I don't want to take the vows of a monk, so you just let me care for the school. And uh, he so he took that post. Fancy this guy who's a reformer looking after all the monks in the cloister. Well, he's training them through to the Reformation. (laughs) Um, He sure was. In fact, he started Bible readings for them and showed them how you uh, learnt what the Bible was saying. Yeah, amazing, really. What other reformer has had an influence or did have an influence on him? Well, he heard the great reformer Zwingli, who preached in the great church in Zurich, and he heard him but also the Waldensians who were spreading right through Europe at that time. He came to them and he said, okay, and he understood more the Protestant beliefs from Zwingli and from the Waldensians. As this time he gave up the idea in the Eucharist that that the bread was actually the, the, and the wine was actually the real, blood and body of Christ, is that right? And saw it as Protestantism like, like does a symbolic. That it was yeah. a symbol. Yes, and that's how, that's how we see yeah. that today. In fact, most Protestants would still see that today. Um, that's yeah. how it is. Um, Zwingli, too, we've, we've done him before. He was a great preacher, teacher, but he was a warrior, too. Um, and that'll come he into was. this in a minute. Um, tell us how he lost his priesthood, um, going back to John well, Johann Bullinger. This was uh, actually his dad. Uh, His dad said, hey, as a priest, I've been preaching false doctrines for years. And he said, I've now become a Protestant. And so his dad was kicked out of the priesthood. And and did that have an impact on him too? Oh, yes. They now said, who's going to take the place? And young Heinrich, Johann Heinrich Bullinger, he was there. And they said, well, you preach a sermon. Give us to see what you can say. And it was some sermon too. Well, before we get it, how did he, did he marry at all this guy? Um, Or was he single all his life? No, he was like Martin Luther. He married a a woman who would have been a nun, just like Luther did. Yep, yep. So he married a nun called Anna. And was it a happy marriage? Oh, yes. It was a long and happy marriage because... Have a listen to this. He had 11 children. 
<laughs> and he played with his family, and all of his sons became pastors. Wow. So uh, his home was a place where anyone who was running from the church, they came there, and colleagues who wanted help to know more about the Reformation, they came too. So, so a... his home was a place where everyone flocked to. So why did he leave his church in 50, 1531, and where did he go? And I think this takes us back to Zwingli. Yes, it does. Well, Zwingli, if you remember when we talked about him, he went off to a fight and he was killed on the battlefield. Mm. And so they say, we now need the main preacher in Zurich. Mm. And Heinrich had been preaching so well, he was offered places in four different places. You can be our pastor, but he chose uh, Zurich, where Zwingli had been. So he gets to Zurich. He has to negotiate with the city officials to even be allowed to take up the position, correct? Correct. Well, the, the <coughs> officials of the city said, when you preach, you can't make a criticism of the government. He said, well, I'm free to talk what the Bible says. And so they said, well, if you want to stand here against the government, just put it in writing, but don't, don't preach it. Okay, so it was a kind of one of those almost backyard deals <laughs> in the end, wasn't it? Um, Correct. Um, he, was, he preached in Zurich his first sermon. He's following Zwingli, one of the greatest preachers of the Reformation. How did that first sermon go? Well, they thought, they said, the thunder of this sermon it was just like Zwingli. In fact, they said Zwingli must have come out of his grave because this was just like Zwingli. So he was a powerful preacher, this man, too. He actually he helped sure some, of, some of the rulers in England, the kings and queens, as they uh, made their change from um, Catholicism to Protestantism. Tell us about that. Well, he wrote a letter to the king uh, Henry VIII and also the next king, Edward VI, and some of the Protestant leaders there, and even Queen Elizabeth asked for his help. How can I answer some of the papal charges? And so he's corresponding with the kings of and queen of England and with other leaders right across Europe. He was a big figure in his day. He was, big, powerful figure with a lot of influence. Um, queen Mary was a Catholic queen in Scotland and England, um, she persecuted the burgeoning, growing Protestant church in both those countries. What impact did Bollinger have with these people? Well, some of them, they just left England, they sneaked out and they went across to Europe and Bollinger, he took them in and cared for some of them who couldn't go back to England at that time. Was he taking them into his own home, Harold, or was it just into Yes, he the did. His home was a refuge for many people. Okay. Thinking about his home and his family life, a question without notice, do we know whether his wife outlived him or not? I'm not sure, but if she'd had 11 kids, she must have, <laughs> and she'd been a nun before that. Yeah, okay. Who knows? I don't know exactly uh, yeah. when she died, uh, but it was a long and happy marriage. Um, he dies. How old was he when he died, and when did he die? Well, he died in 1575. And he was born in 04, so he would have been just over 70, 71. And uh, which in that day, that was quite an old fellow. Yeah, he made it to an old, old age for the times he lived in, that's, that's for sure. You think back on his life, Harold, 
interesting life of a powerful preacher. Started off as a priest, as many of them do, Martin Luther, and some, well, many of the others too. Had a very similar journey in some sense to Martin Luther. Marries a marries a nun, has a lot of children, loves children, just as Martin Luther loved his. Um, took in, I think Martin Luther was known for taking in... Um, those who are persecuted, yeah, yeah, even yeah. into his own home, on a, I think, as I remember right, even on the night of a, his honeymoon, he took someone in who was running, yeah. running from the authorities. This guy does the same thing, um, and they both died natural deaths, which was very unusual in those days. Most yeah. of them were put to the torch and were martyred for something or other. We know how important Martin Luther was, but how important is this leader? to the Protestant Reformation, now we're talking 2023. Well, if you look at what Zwingli started, this guy would have stood on his shoulders and took it so much further because he was like Zwingli, but his influence spread right across Europe. So he was a major guy for Switzerland that spread to other countries as well. Why do you think he's not as well known as perhaps some of the other martyrs, uh, martyrs and reformers? He wasn't the first one. We sort of think of Zwingli yeah. and that cathedral. But Bullinger probably was there longer than Zwingli. Yeah, yeah. Well, an amazing life of an amazing man. When you think of his life, what do you think we can learn from it today, Harold? Well, he put the Bible first, and that's what took him and was his guide star all through life. Yeah. And he followed that and shared it with so many others, and we should do the same. Man of bravery, bravery, courage, and integrity. Thank you, Harold, for the story. That was a beauty, that one, and I really enjoyed it. Great. All the best. See you again, Lloyd. Yeah, Bye next best. time. See you, mate. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. Now, Hunty, is it too late yes. to get in are a question for Ask the Aussie Pastor. No, there's, uh, it's plenty of time. Uh, you can send your questions to us one of two ways. You can text them to us on 0488-880-851 or you can email your questions to us, theaussiepastor at gmail.com. So it's the Aussie Pastor. Absolutely, the Aussie Pastor. One word. One word at gmail.com. Is there room for them if they get a question in today to get it up? Yeah, absolutely. If you can send it to us in the next, what, I mean, Aussie Pastor at five past five, and it's only 20 past four, there's plenty of time. Okay. No worries at all, mate. Well, I, I want to encourage you to do that. Um, get those questions in, because we'll have a go at answering them. Hunty won't give me a heads up, so... No, never a heads up. That's what we agreed. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this next song, Redemption Draw Off Nigh by Ernie Hass and Signature Sound, is probably, I reckon, Hunty, one of my favourite songs. Yeah, mine it's too. It's a beautiful song, and it's, it's sung really nice, talking about the fact that soon we're going to see Jesus come. of time have come and gone since I first heard it told how Jesus would come again someday if back then it seems so real then I just can't help but much closer his coming is 
strife on every hand And violence fills our land Still some people doubt he'll ever come again Oh, but the word of God is true So don't lose hope, for soon Christ Jesus will descend. Signs of the times are song beautifully mm-hmm. sung yep. really really good song redemption draweth nigh jesus is coming lift up the trumpet jesus is coming um we were in israel hunting and i with pastor harker the guy who was just on before um harold harker in 2019 and we had a great time over there didn't we hunty <sighs> the best best of my life now when you think of israel and i haven't given hunty any heads up on this so we're probably going to have different answers what's the one thing that impacted you the most that you'll never forget there's something that that's not a positive either, but there's something I'll never forget. But is there something that had an indelible mark on you while you were there? Absolutely. Um, without notice, I, I'm rushing to uh, to the highlights, and I guess they were the two tombs that we went into. And the first one we went into was Lazarus's tomb, and it was a windy little passageway right down into the bowels of the earth, and it was it was quite claustrophobic and it was quite small. But for me to think that this is where Jesus raised Lazarus, that really just did it for me. Also, when we went into Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, which is the tomb where Jesus was laid to rest. Well. So so the Bible says. That's arguable there. But, yes, the Bible says that, but the local guys will tell you that that tomb we went to wasn't the one. It was the one next to that tomb. Remember where everybody was lining up? Yeah, there, wasn't, well, there was a tomb that they made a shrine out of or something that was. No, no, that's, that the, one, that's the one they say Jesus was buried in, but we reckoned it was this other one because it was a, called the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. But I, True. In some ways I think we might have made that up so we didn't have to stand in the line. I'm not sure. Well, either way, for me it was such. Such a spiritual moment, such a, a powerful connection to the to the soil that Jesus trod on. It just it kind of changed my life. Um, for me, I didn't have those sorts of experiences there, did I, Hunty? No, you curmudgeoned your way around. No, this probably wasn't the place. I, I don't know what this curmud- probably didn't. What's curmudgeon here. mean? <laughs> Trudge around, grumpy old man. <laughs> 
No, not really. I, it's just that they built churches on top of everything that Jesus was supposed to have been at, and I kind of lost it for it. Um, the place that really impacted me was probably the Jordan River. The Lake of yep. Galilee yep, 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 had yep. an impact on me. I liked it up on top of the mountain where Elijah was. Oh, can I add one more? Where you told the story about Jesus being tempted by Satan. Out in the desert. Out in the desert on the mountain where he turned the stones into bread. Not that, far from the Jordan River. That was quiet. That was eerily quiet, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But yeah. the one thing I remember that I'll never forget yep. is the raging war between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And how incredibly difficult it is to solve that, hunty. Yep. Presidents yep, have yep. walked in there, some of the most powerful presidents in the last decades. And I'm thinking of Reagan, Bush, the Bushes, Barack Obama, yep. um, Clinton, and now we're looking at Biden, have all gone in there with the power and the stamp and the authority of the United States of America, and they cannot get the Palestinians and the Israelis to get on with each other no matter how they try. And right now, as I talk, in Israel, Israel is at war again with the Palestinians on the West Bank, mm. in the Gaza, and they're even dropping bombs on Lebanon and Syria in retaliation, or they'll say in retaliation for missile strikes coming from Hamas or from whoever. Now, do you remember, Hunty, we were in a car one day with our Palestinian driver who's the nicest man you'll ever meet? Yeah, he's a top bloke. And you remember I said to him, well, what if the Israelis wanted peace? And they built hospitals and schools and roads and opened every up thing up for you guys. Would there be peace? Do you remember what he said? Uh, not the exact words. Not a I, chance. I remember him saying, yeah. Not a chance. And I said, why not? Do you remember the one-word answer he gave? Land. Land, yeah, that's right, I do. Yep. He said, this land belongs to the Palestinians, not the Israelis. And there's no room for both. Yep. Now, the interesting thing is they're both children of Abraham. Yes. They have similar blood running through them. And yet they cannot find peace. But here's a little quirk that you'll find right in the middle of this red-hot conflict between the Palestinians and the Jews. This is a Christian congregation, and there's a number of them in Jerusalem, of Palestinians and Jews. You get that, Hunty? Yep. Supposed to be blood-vowed enemies. But here you've got a, con a Christian congregation of Palestinians and Jews worshipping together the same God in the same place. I want you just to hear this first song. It is in Hebrew and it is in Arabic. So they're singing both languages as they come together and then I want to make a comment. But just kind of get, I know it's a different language, but trying, and it's, these songs aren't long. Just try and get a sense of what's going on here. Then I'll show you from the Bible how it is that right now in Jerusalem, Christians, Palestinians, Palestinian Arabs and Jews are worshipping together. Let's hear this first worship song, Hunty, straight from one of their churches.
beautiful, Hunty. Mm-hmm. Really, really mm-hmm. beautiful. Amazing. So what's happening? How is it in the middle of this hotbed, Hunty, of war? And this is the thing I noticed when I was over there, that so much blood has been shed that the enmity between the two groups runs real deep across generations. I mean, they have fought wars for the same land, for the same territory, and there's been bloodshed. So my question is, and I don't want a cliche answer. (laughs) Oh, dear. How can that happen? Because Paul gives us the answer. Did you know that? I do have a cliche answer. What's your cliche answer? Well, Jesus has the power to change every life. Yeah. That's that's I I don't know whether I'd say that's cliche. That's a pretty good answer. In in that's in, to me that's a fact. It doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been or come from. If you if you turn your heart to Jesus, he'll change it. You see, though, sometimes Christians on opposing sides of wars, yes, not doing real well with each other. True. And yet here you've got in the middle of Jerusalem, in the middle of the intense. Hot war. So this is a hot war, these two groups meeting together. Paul talks about it. You want to hear it? Yes, please. This is in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the benefit of you Gentiles. Now, you know what a Gentile is, Hunty? Uh, remind me. Anyone who's not a Jew. Not a Jew, yeah. Mm. So anyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile. Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending the grace to the Gentiles. So Paul's just saying, look, my job is to take the gospel to the Gentiles. You know who that is, don't you? It's the Palestinians. Okay. It's the Italians. It's the Greeks. It's anyone who's not Jewish in Jesus' day. As I briefly, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his, now listen to this, mysterious plan to me. God's got this mysterious plan, and this mysterious plan is all about the Jews and the Arabs, or the Jews and the Palestinians. As you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now, by his Spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. So Paul says, I know what God's mysterious plan is. Now, it's this mysterious plan that sees the Arabs and the Jews worshipping each other. Here it goes, Hunty. You ready? Yep. Verse 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews both Palestinians and Jews, both Australians and Jews, both English and Jews, both Americans and Jews, who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are a part of the same body. Both enjoy the promise of blessings because they both belong to Jesus Christ. And by God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news to them. Do you get that? Mm. This is a mysterious plan of God, that Jesus, through the cross and his bloodshed, brings Palestinians and Jews who are mortal, blood-feud enemies here on this earth together to worship Jesus as one. Mm. And they do it. And it's proof of the power of God to bring peace where not even powerful American presidents can that's absolutely incredible. And these Arabs, these Palestinian Arabs and these Jews, as they worship together in this church, are one people, Hunty. Yep. Those Jews and those Arabs are close to each other in blood, through Christ's blood, than they are with fellow Jews or fellow Arabs. Yep. That's the power of what's going on. I want you to listen one more time as they worship. Now you've 
kind of got a sense of what's going on here and you'll you'll experience a bit of the power yourself even though you might not understand the language and you're not there you will experience it let's hear it again hunty Jews and the Palestinians aren't the only enemies on this planet. But that's what the gospel does. It brings enemies and makes them blood brothers in Christ. And it's very powerful. And that's why Ukrainians who follow Jesus and are born again can right now in the middle of a hot war worship with fellow brothers, sisters, Russians who are Christian. Because Christianity and secular people and secular government and society doesn't understand this. Hmm. But those who are born again and follow Jesus Christ are tied together more tightly than any tribe, any creed, any language, or any country or nation can do, because we belong to another kingdom, the kingdom of God. So I thought that was pretty powerful, mate. Yep. I don't know what you thought. That's amazing. I like it. Hey, have you ever heard of Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer? Yes, I have. Good things or bad things? Mm, Only bad. Listen to this. He was born on May 21, 1960. He died November 28, 1994, so that probably makes him about 34. He was also known as the Milwaukee Cannibal, the Milwaukee Monster. He was an American serial killer and sex offender who killed and dismembered 17 men and boys between 1978 and 1991. Many of his later murders involved cannibalism, necrophilia, and the permanent preservation of body parts, typically all part of the skeleton. So this guy's, what, mad? Crazy? Psycho. Yeah. Although he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, and a psychotic disorder, he was found legally sane at his trial. He was convicted of 15 of his 16 homicides and and was committed in Wisconsin and was sentenced to 15 times of life prison on February 17, 1982. Fair enough. Wonder he didn't get the death penalty. Mm. Dharma was later sentenced to a 16th term of life imprisonment for an additional homicide in Ohio in 1978. 
On November 28, 1994, Dharma was beaten to death by Christopher Scarver, a fellow inmate at the Columbia Correctional Institute in Portage, Wisconsin. Probably should have given a, what do you call it, hunty, a, a warning before I read his life story out. Yeah, it's, and perhaps a warning before we show the video. Yeah, because although this is a radio program, we are on Facebook, so yep. you can see parts of it. Yep. This guy is about as reprehensible as you can get. He's immersed in darkness about as far as you can get, Hunty. I think someone described him as looking into his face and seeing Satan. I don't think it's possible to meet a more wicked man, is mm. there? I don't know of one. The deeds he did are incomprehensible. Um, I think to have been where he has been, there'd have to be a element of satanic influence that exceeds what most people would ever experience in their lifetime. Maybe many people together would experience in a lifetime. Mm. And he seems to have gone to places of depravity which the human mind, I don't think a normal human mind can begin to comprehend. So no, what, I, I don't understand. I can't, I can't understand it. So what you're about to hear here on this program is equally incomprehensible, I think, Hunty. Yes. Play it. Yep. Jeffrey Dahmer is said to be one of the most evil men to ever walk the face of this planet because he's committed crimes so unimaginable that they would even make Hitler himself uncomfortable. But what a lot of people don't know is that before his death, Dahmer professed to be a changed and born-again Christian, a claim that's infuriated both the religious and the non-religious alike. But did Dahmer really convert to Christianity, or was it all a sham? And if God could let someone like Dahmer into heaven, what does that say about God's character? Let's talk about it as we discuss the complicated fate of one of the world's most notorious and evil serial killers, Jeffrey Dahmer. In 1991, the Milwaukee police spotted a frantic man running in the middle of the street, halfway undressed, with handcuffs around his wrists. He told the police that he just escaped from a man that was trying to kill him, who he described to be like Satan himself. The frantic man led the police to discover one of the most grueling scenes in modern history, Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. Dahmer was convicted in 1992 for killing boys and young men whom he would drug and sexually assault before committing other heinous crimes such as dismembering and preserving their body parts, necrophilia, and even cannibalism. He was sentenced to 957 years in prison where he would spend the rest of his days. During his sentencing, he said, Now I believe I was sick. I know how much harm I caused. I tried to do the best I could after the arrest to make amends, but no matter what I did, I could not undo the terrible harm that I have caused. My attempt to help identify the remains was the best that I could do, and that was hardly nothing. I feel so bad for what I did to those poor families, and I understand their rightful hate. I know society will never be able to forgive me. I know the victims of the families will never be able to forgive me for what I have done. I am so very sorry. But when you hear a statement like this from a master manipulator who deceived all of his victims into thinking that he was sincere when he wasn't, you naturally start to question if he was truly sorry or if this was just another one of his shams. While in prison, initially, he allegedly taunted his fellow prison mates and the guards by saying things like, I bite, and once put up a sign that said cannibals anonymous, while also using his prison food to resemble body parts, using ketchup as blood. But it seems that things may have changed when he started reading some creation literature 
literature that his dad sent him, and he started to doubt the process of biological evolution. It was also during this time that a stranger sent him a Bible and a correspondence course that he initially ignored, but he took interest in after changing his mind on the theory of evolution. After finishing the course, he decided that he wanted to be baptized, and that's when a minister named Roy Ratcliffe received a call informing him that he was to go up to the prison to meet Jeffrey Dahmer because Jeffrey Dahmer needed to be baptized. In his book, Roy described how nervous both of them were to meet each other for the first time. Upon meeting him, Jeffrey said to him, I was very nervous about meeting you today. I was afraid you would come and tell me that I couldn't be baptized because my sins are too evil. But Roy assured Jeffrey that that wasn't the case, and to Roy's surprise, Jeffrey seemed excited to talk about baptism. Roy said that Jeffrey had a bunch of questions about it, and he was paranoid that Roy wouldn't say the right words and that the baptism wouldn't be done correctly. Once again, Roy assured him that everything would be okay, and a couple of weeks later, on Tuesday, May the 10th, 1994, Jeffrey Dahmer was baptized by Roy Ratcliffe. During the baptism, Roy said that as he lifted Jeffrey's head out of the water, Water, he said to Jeffrey, welcome to the family of God. And he described Jeffrey responding with a smile of gladness and surprise before saying, thank you. Now, this baptism made the headlines, and a lot of people figured that this baptism was the end of Jeffrey's faith. But what a lot of people didn't know was that following the baptism, Roy continued to see Jeffrey every Wednesday to answer Jeffrey's questions about Christ and also to study the Bible with him. In doing so, he described Jeffrey as seeming sincere and being eager to learn more about Jesus. In fact, on multiple occasions in the months following the baptism, Jeffrey expressed that he was upset because in multiple interviews with the media, he would always mention his new faith in Jesus, but they always left that part out when they were airing his interviews. However, in his interview with Dateline NBC, they did air a clip about him talking about how things have changed once he stopped believing in evolution and started believing in Jesus Christ. If a person doesn't think that there there is a God to be accountable to, then then what's, what's the point of, of trying to uh, modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? Uh, that's how I thought anyway. And uh, I've since come to believe that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is truly God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're the only true God. I've come to since come to believe that uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true Creator of uh, the heavens and the earth. It just didn't just happen, and uh, I have accepted Him as my Lord and Savior. And I believe that I, as long as well as everyone else, will be accountable to Him. But as he stayed in prison, things started to take an unexpected turn for the worse. Just a couple of months after his baptism, in July of 1994, a fellow prison mate attempted to kill Jeffrey while he was sitting in a pew during a prison church service. However, the man was unsuccessful in killing Jeffrey, and Jeffrey said that he was thankful to be alive so that way he could continue to talk to the other prisoners about the gospel message. In the following months that he remained in prison, he apparently continued to talk with the other prisoners about faith and also left them gospel tracts as well. Roy continued to see Jeffrey each week for a few more months until he learned of Jeffrey's unexpected death. On November 28th, just seven months after his baptism, Jeffrey Dahmer and another man were murdered by a fellow prison mate while they were cleaning the restroom in the prison gym. In Wisconsin today, Jeffrey Dahmer died. He was murdered in the prison where he was sent in 1991 for murdering 17 men and boys. To many, including Dahmer's own attorney, it comes as little surprise. What do you think, Hunty? Oh, am I... Is that the most how, how powerful you, thing you've seen? My goodness. How do you deal with that? I I think many will have the same sentiment. Do I want to go to heaven that's got Jeffrey Dahmer in it? It's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, um, of course I do, but wow, that does stretch my brain.
Well, he, he, he was a bad dude. Yep. And the fact that he can go and find repentance, to me, is almost beyond... Is that fair? No, but grace isn't fair, but it's beautiful. It's so amazing. It's it's so fantastic, but it's not fair. Well, it's not fair to me, to my heart, is even he, though I've probably sinned just as bad as he has. Is he faking it? Many people say at the end there, many people say he did fake it, and that was all an act, but to who? Who's he faking it to? He died He died shortly after. For me, as I, I went and had a look at his story, and I looked into it a little bit more, I suppose you could say a little bit more deeply to find out, you know, um, what sort of life he had. He grew up in a Christian home. He didn't have any of the normal things these serial killers have to send his mind off or warp him, or he says he didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, He just ends up murdering all these young men and doing the most despicable things to him. He comes to prison, and somehow while he's in prison, he has a... A conversion. Is that is that possible, Hunty? Well, as we know, everything's possible with Jesus. Everything's possible. And grace is the most powerful thing on this earth. It almost seems sometimes that grace is not fair. The people who deserve more, maybe not going to get it. I can actually understand why the victims' relatives and families would be upset to hear about Jeffrey Dahmer having a conversion to Jesus Christ. Mm. Yep. And it just makes you wonder, doesn't it? Where does this go? And then I go to the Bible. And I read the story of this fella. You got your Bible there, Hunty? I do. Second Chronicles, chapter 33. How does this guy line up with Jeffrey Dahmer? Verse 1. You want to read that for me, mate? Got it. In fact, if you want, because I've lost all my notes for this Bible, so I'd be very happy for you to send them through to me, brother. <laughs> okay, we'll in, do. In we'll some do. break when I'm... Yes. But just read verse 1. Certainly. Uh, 1 and 2, actually. Verse Right, let go 1 to 3. Go 1 to 3. Manasseh was only 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. But it was an evil reign, for he encouraged his people to worship the idols of the heathen nations, destroyed by the Lord when the people of Israel entered the land. He rebuilt the heathen altars his father Hezekiah had destroyed, the altars of Baal and the shameful images and of the sun, moon and stars. He even constructed heathen altars in both courts of the temple of the Lord for worshipping the sun, moon and stars in the very place where the Lord had said that he would be honoured forever. Okay, okay. Um, what translation were you in there, mate? Uh, living. I was in the Living Bible. Okay, you're in a different version than, than me. Okay, this guy, like Jeffrey Dahmer, was brought up in a good home. Because if you know any Bible history, Hezekiah was one of the better kings of Judah. He was a champion for God. He followed God. He was faithful to God, and he was faithful to the end. Yep. So you've got this king who has a son, Manasseh. Hezekiah dies when Manasseh's 12, year old, 12 years old. Thank you, Hunty, by the way, for that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without you. Um, so he dies when he's 12 years old, uh, and this guy comes, this young man comes to the throne, and he just wreaks havoc. He brings all the pagan worship back. He brings all the heathen worship back. 
And this is where it gets really serious, Hunty. Did I mention the part about the spirit mediums and the fortune tellers and sorcerers as well? Just keep going there for okay. a bit, because I want you to read yep. down to verse 6. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, go, go back to verse 4 and just okay, read down yeah. to verse 6. He even constructed heathen altars in both courts of the temple of the Lord for worshipping the sun, moon, and stars in the very place where the Lord had said that he would be honoured forever. And... Here we go. Here Manasseh we go. Sacrificed. Look, look at this. Look at this. Yep. 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 And Manasseh sacrificed his own children as burnt offerings in the valley of Hinnom. He consulted spirit mediums too and fortune tellers and sorcerers and encouraged every sort of evil, making the Lord very angry. What did he do? He sacrificed his own children. And the way they work is, remember when we were in Jerusalem, Jerusalem was one on one hill, remember that? Yep. And then when it went down into a valley and up the other side, and at the bottom of that valley as you start to go up the other side, was the Garden of Gethsemane, then you went on to the Mount of Olives. Do you remember that? Yeah, beautiful. Um, that valley is where they used to set up the, the human sacrifices. Now, how far would that be from the temple of God where God himself lived? Oh, you'd walk it in a few minutes? Three or four hundred metres? Yeah, that's all. Mm. Something like that? Yeah. So three or four hundred metres from where God's presence was. God's presence was really in there. The Shekinah glory, the glory of God was in that temple up on that mountain where, where now we've got some uh, a couple of a Muslim, what do they call them? Um, the mosque? The, yeah, a couple of Muslim mosques up there now. But, that, but that's where God's temple was there once. Three or four hundred metres from there, he sets up a... An altar, and on that altar, he, he puts a pagan god like Baal, who has a, well, or Dagon, or Asherah, or one of these gods, and they'd have a, a hole in the stomach of that god, and they'd light a fire, and then they'd have a ramp, and they'd slide the babies and the humans, sometimes bound babies, they'd just slide them down straight into that molten fire, and they'd be burned alive. Hmm. He did that. Now, how many kids have you got? I've got four, very blessed. I've got four. Yep. Eight between us. Indeed. He did that to his own children. Can't imagine it. To his own flesh and blood. N- no idea how. What, what would you do to protect your kids? I know what you do, actually. But just <laughs> Anything so that... and everything for my kids. Okay, so this, this dude is wicked. He is evil. How would you compare him to Jeffrey Dahmer? Uh, just another psycho sicko, honestly. He's up there, isn't he? Yeah, totally. He's up there. Yeah. This guy's killing... Jeffrey Dahmer never killed his own family. This guy's killing his own family. Yeah. What happens? Verse 11. So God sent the Assyrian armies, and they seized him with hooks and bound him with bronze chains and carted him away to Babylon. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, the Assyrians are about as cruel as they get. Really? They are. I think God let the Assyrians come. These are the guys that when they take a city, they put a whole lot of stakes oh, no. outside the city and they just impale the men on the stakes and all the women and children they'd send off into slavery. They would completely depopulate countries, genocide. Mm. Mm. These guys come, they grab him with hooks, bound him in bronze chains and cart him off to Babylon. So now he's gone from being the king doing what he wants, including killing mm-hmm. his own kids, to in a prison cell, nowhere to go. He's, he's gone down as far as you can go. Yeah. He's gone from king to beggar and pauper in a prison cell yeah. with no future, no hope, no life. What happens, verse 12? Okay, and verse... I can't believe this, mate, but you watch. 
Okay, then at last he came to his senses and cried out humbly to God for help. Well, okay, so he went to God and asked for help. Jeffrey Dahmer went to God and asked for help. Mm, if mm. Jeffrey Dahmer can go to God and ask for help, and Manasseh can go to God for, mm. and ask for help, I think, Hunter, you can go to God and ask for help. For sure. I can go to God and ask for help. You out there listening to us on radio, you can go to God and ask for help no matter what you've done, no yep. matter where you are, yep. no matter what, how you've done it. Yep. You can be in a prison cell watching this. Guilty of the worst crimes. With your family having been, you know, I like to say this, Hunter, because this is how God works. Mm -hmm. Your family can do away with you. The church can do away with you. You can have not a friend in the world. You can be paying the price rightly for your sins. And, man, we've got some sins, Hunty. That's right. You can be paying the price for those sins with not a person in the world, and you can still go to God for help. If Jeffrey Dahmer went to God and Manasseh went to God, you can go to God. And God listened to Jeffrey Dahmer. Did God listen to Manasseh? Next verse, Hunty. And the Lord listened. No. (laughs) Yes, and the Lord listened. Come on. He listened and he answered his plea by returning him to Jerusalem. No way. And to his kingdom. At that point, Manasseh finally realized that the Lord was really God. That's, come on. Come on. How? How is this possible? That's God. Yeah. And humans don't get it. And you know why we don't get it? Because we judge. I judge you, Hunty. Yep. You judge me. With joy. I judge. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We are friends, believe it or not. True, true, true. <laughs> Thank you. You put me off. I was, I was about the Lord said, I judge you, you judge me. We judge each other. Someone does something in the church, we judge them. Some, one of our neighbours does something, we judge them. A marriage falls apart, we judge. There's this, there's that. Judge, judge, judge. God doesn't judge, God saves. There'll become a time for God to judge, but we are not in a time of judgment. We're in the time of mercy, yep. and God saves, God saves, God saves. Now, here's the amazing thing about this story, Hunty. Yep. Of all the kings, who do you think was the best king? In all of Israel. Mm, don't know. What do you reckon? David? Well, he had his faults too, didn't he? I mean, boy, did he have his faults. He had, he had a lot of women in his life. A lot of women. In fact, <laughs> didn't he send out one of his best mates to get murdered on the battle line so that he could steal his wife? He did. Mm. He did. That's a good story, that one. We might look at that next week. Yeah, we just should. To, just we to, should. Just to bring this message home, because yep. I think it's a really important one. Okay, says Dave. What about Solomon? Well, another another guy with women problems. Didn't he have a thousand? They call them what? Concubines and or wives? wives? Yeah, yeah, he had mm. too many. He had too many. Uh, Joash, Hezekiah. Yep. These are all good kings, kings that served God, kings that were faithful. Um, if I had to choose a king out of all of them. I think I still would have went David because of his heart. Okay. He was a warrior. There was a lot of blood in his life. Death, perhaps. He never saw death as we do because it was so common around him. But his heart was something. You know, when he goes to to God after he committed that terrible sin you're talking about in the Psalm, Psalm 51, I think it it says, against you, God, and you only have I sinned. You see his heart and you go, oh, this guy was genuine. He probably would have been the guy that I would have blessed the most. You know what? I want you to read this verse, Hunty. Yep. 2 Kings 21, verse 1. Okay. 
Second got Kings, yep, got 21. I don't care if you're still in the Living Bible either, mate. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, um, I actually like the Living Bible. Yeah, I do. It's, it's not a, a great translation because it's a paraphrase done by one bloke. Right. But I really, really do like it. It's very colloquial. In other words, very easy to understand. If you're getting into the Bible and you want a Bible to understand, Living Bible's a good one. Okay. When you're ready, read this. Um, 2 Kings 21.1, new king of Judah, Manasseh, his age at the beginning of his reign, 12 years old. Length of reign, 55 years in Jerusalem. Here's a murdering, infanticide, Mm. um, pagan-worshipping, disloyal, blaspheming, disobedient king who knew everything about God and went the other way. Ended up in a prison cell. Of course he came to his senses. That's why God let him go there. Makes a decision to follow God. Now listen to this, Hunty. Yep. He then became the king who served the longest of any king in the history of Israel and Judah. Wow. That is stunning. Mm. That's the mercy of God. That's the forgiveness of God. So when I hear stories of men like Jeffrey Dahmer... I just got to shrug my shoulders, man, and just go, well, that's God. Mm. And it is. And through the grace of Christ, we will see Jeffrey Dharma in heaven. We will see Manasseh. And, Hunty, if we choose Jesus, you'll see you and me too. I pray. There's mercy there for you. There's grace. And I just love it.
point, Auntie. Jesus does change everything. Amen. Change everything for Jeffrey Dahmer and change everything for Manasseh and he'll change everything for you too if you let him. If you just invite him into your heart. Um, Hunty and I are great sinners. We know the story, don't we, Hunty? We do. And we are very good at sinning. We know mercy and we know grace and we're going to continue to need it till Jesus comes. Um. How do we go? Get some questions today, Hunty? We did get some questions. Curlies, hard ones, or not too bad? Uh, Let me have a little look here. Definitely some curly ones. Can I just make a comment that I think you're learning to drive this beast now? (laughs) Just fly this plane? Yeah, I've got it out of first gear at least. Well, there's a lot less trouble this week than last week, and certainly more less than the week before that. Well, actually, I've actually got one of my two new screens, so I'm not... Juggling everything on one ah, screen anymore, which has made a big difference. Those screens turned up, did they, bro? Thank you very much. Okay. Indeed. Let's go. Okay, all right. First question to the Aussie pastor from Kyla or Kayla. Okay, Kayla. Hi, Aussie pastor. I have a question for your segment. What happened to Jesus' father, Joseph? What a great question. Hmm. Um, the bottom line is, and this is just how it is. You know, I'm a great believer in the Bible, hunty, and I don't like going outside it. You know that, don't you? Yep, of course. We've got a guy coming over from America in a few weeks to our church called John Lomakang. Yep. I was talking to him last night, and um, we were talking about The Chosen. And one of the reasons, and a lot of people really like The Chosen out there, Hunty. 
I think you like it, don't you? Or you yeah, don't know no, much I haven't, about I haven't it. seen much about it, no. People like it because it really shows a gentle Jesus. But I give a word of warning. The Chosen is not the Bible. And most of the stuff in the Chosen is not in the Bible. And so immediately when I've got people gravitating to a Jesus that's not rooted and based in the Bible, it bothers me. Yep. Now, what's that got to do with this question? Which is why I'm bothered with the Chosen. Do I like watching the Chosen? Yes. Do I like the Jesus that's that's illustrated and depicted on the Chosen? Yes, I do. But it's not the it's not the Jesus of the Bible narrative. Why not? Well, because those stories from the Chosen, most of them just aren't there, and the few that are there that the storylines woven around, it's just not biblical. And so you can go there and you can watch it. You can get all teary, and I know I'm upsetting a whole lot of Christian viewers now, hunty. Mm. That's all right. I don't mm. mind doing that. Mm. You can go there and you get teary and you can say, well, that's wonderful. But the fact is that the story is not in the Bible. So if it's not in the Bible, could be true, probably isn't. When it comes to Joseph, the Bible doesn't say. And so the bottom line is, and it's a very frustrating answer, we just don't know. It seems he just disappears out of the scene. And I imagine, and this is my imagination, so I'm doing the thing now that the Chosen does, I imagine he died. I'm guessing he died. Mm. He was possibly a bit older than Mary. We don't know. But the fact is the Bible doesn't tell me, so I can't give a good answer, mate. Fair enough. That's sad, isn't it? Well. But he, he did, did disappear off the scene, so I'm just reckoning he probably died. But that's a guess. One of the questions we can ask when we get to heaven. Well, we can go and ask him ourselves. He'll yeah. be there. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Okay, this one's from Rachel. She's a long-time listener and a great supporter of ours. Someone at church said that crying, sadness, pain, etc., will end when Jesus brings heaven back down to earth. Will we still experience these things when we initially go to heaven? My hope is it will all end once we leave this earth. Yeah, that's a really good question. Good that question, one, Rachel. Rachel. Yep. Um, the reason the person would have said that at church is because the Bible says that all that all tears. It's not to Revelation twenty twenty one and the new earth that all tears pass away. What happens, and I might do a Bible study if you remind me, Hunty, the well, next couple of weeks on this. Happily. If you have a look at the Bible, the way it tells that Jesus comes, we go back to heaven for millennia, and then we come back down here to spend eternity on the earth. Um, that's going to shock a few Christians here and that, but I think I'm going to show that from the Bible in the next few weeks. Not next week. I'm going to continue on this journey we're on, on the grace and mercy of Jesus yet because I think people out there are making decisions for Jesus based on his grace and mercy, hunty, so we haven't finished. Um, getting back to the question yep. at hand, which was, remind me again, mate. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess the, the, the essence of it is we'll be still experiencing yeah, okay, these yep. things. But, yeah. I think there may be some tears in heaven. Really? Possibly. So we'll have memories of the bad things that happen. Well, the Bible says when we get to heaven, we'll judge. And you kind of get the sense that we'll be able to look at why so and so didn't make it. Or we can ask the Lord, I had a father, why is he near? Or a mother, or, you know. Or, or why didn't Hunty make? Or why didn't Lloyd? We will for a grace, but that you know, will certainly cause some tears. You know what I mean, mm. Hunty? Um, yep. Where are our relatives? I think we should take courage that heaven will be a happy place. Good, will be a place of joy. If there's any sadness, it'll be just in my simple way. And the Bible does indicate this: us being able to talk to Jesus about why someone wasn't there. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm. I reckon we do a Bible study on that. It's a good question, yep. Rachel. Yep, we should. Thank and you. And I think we'll do that. Hunty, hold me to account when we finish this little Happily. thing on the grace and the mercy of Christ. Let's look at the second coming of Jesus and what happens after that. Mm, my pleasure. Thanks for the for the tip there, Rachel. Yep. All right, moving yeah. on. Is Easter pagan or Christian? Um, it's got a little bit of both in it. Mm. But in Australia, it's primarily Christian. And so in Australia, if you talk to anybody about Easter, it's about, it's a celebration, it's a, it's remembering the death of Christ and it's a celebration of his resurrection. That is Easter in Australia, full stop. People say, well, what about Easter bunnies and Easter, um, Easter eggs? Well, Hunty, let me tell you what did Easter eggs mean to, and Easter bunnies mean to you over the, the Easter break. Perhaps you can give us a testimony. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. It's chocolate. Yes. Got nothing to do with paganism. It actually doesn't have a whole lot to do with Christianity. Just about chocolate and a bit of fun. So in our culture, um, there is no doubt that it is Christian. And it should be because Easter pretty much aligns with Passover, hunty. Pretty much at the same time. And Passover is when Jesus died. So unlike Christmas, Christmas does not align with the birth of Jesus. How do we know? Because Jesus would have been born sometime in the summer, somewhere around probably August, June, July. No, July, August, September. Um, because that's when they used to travel in those days. And we celebrate Jesus' birth at Christmas, December 25. I reckon that's okay too. We can talk about that another time. But yes, there are pagan, there are two festivals. There's Passover and there's a pagan festival that's run for, you know, maybe 2,000 years before Jesus. But Passover started 3,000 years before Jesus. And that's the beginning of Easter as Christians understand. And so, I, yeah, I, I think in our culture in our country in our nation in our society it's christian all right well this next question is a great follow-up question. by the way hunty i think it's very appropriate that we in our churches and wherever remember the the death and the resurrection of jesus at easter too it's a one-time aussies will stop and look at jesus secular or not sorry mate no, that's okay actually yep. i want to interrupt myself if you would like to know what the true meaning of easter is all about um pastor lord just recorded a three-part series we, last weekend for Easter. If you'd like to see it, just go to Aussie Pastor Facebook page or the Aussie Pastor YouTube channel. And part two specifically deals with the connection with Easter and the Passover. Anyway, it's a great little series. I can't recommend it. Where highly. would they see it? Aussie Pastor Facebook Aussie Pastor page. Facebook page or Aussie Pastor YouTube channel. Go to YouTube. It's better. Yeah. Full, oh, not full HD. They might throw us off Facebook here. <laughs> go on. <laughs> okay. Um, does Jesus ask us to celebrate his resurrection at Easter? No. Okay, that was quick. He 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 encourages us to celebrate it all the time. Right. Um, we have a thing in Christianity called ordinances. Um, it's when we meet together and we eat some bread and drink some wine, unfermented wine. The bread reminds us of Jesus' broken body, the wine of his blood, and we celebrate the resurrection at the same time, aren't we? Yep. And Jesus says to do it all the time. The reason I like to do, um, to remember Jesus at Easter is, again, it's the one time with Aussies. That's why I celebrate Christmas and remember Jesus' birth. I know full well he wasn't born at um, December. December 25. I know that. I know there's pagan traditions to that, too. Don't care. If people are going to stop and look at Jesus Christ for any reason, I'll use it to get them to see how wonderful he is. Yeah. All righty. Mm. Yep, here's a curly question. Why does Christianity have it in for trans people? Oh, it doesn't. But you can imagine why they would feel that way, though, yeah? Well, Christians, Christianity, the Bible, 
talks against um, the Bible makes some pretty solid statements on LGBTI uh, but that's the Bible, and Christians follow the Bible, so they adhere to that. But Christians in themselves aren't against LGBTI people, True. trans or anybody else. In fact, we see them as uh, um, children of God who deserve a chance at knowing Jesus, just like you and I do, Hunty. There's a short answer to that, mate. Okay. We're not. We're not against them. I can understand why they feel that, because the Bible has some pretty definitive things to say. But that is the Bible that does that. Um, yeah, I guess grace is grace is for everybody. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> All right. If it's not, we're in trouble, hunting. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. All right. Um, what version of the Bible do you use for your personal Bible study? What do you use, hunting? Well, I'm a very eclectic person, and you, sometimes you're using these words and you've lost me. Okay. Eclectic. Uh, my taste is classical music to rock music and the music. No, scene. he doesn't like. Don't listen. Christian rock. No, no. way. <laughs> We are not for that stuff on this radio program. Let, I'm talking let about me, the stuff that we play on this station. We it's don't, got some good, we don't some good play music. Christian rock. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that one day here too. No chance. Okay, eclectic means I, I sample from all of the flavours of life. And so my favourite uh, um, Bible versions okay. at the moment are NLT probably in, and New King James. Okay. Me personally, uh, my favourite, favourite, all-time favourite is the Living Bible. Wow. But I don't recommend it because I said earlier it's a paraphrase. Um, I read it for the joy of reading the Bible. Does that make sense, Hunty? Okay. For the, for the joy of it. So do you, do you read the original Living Bible, like the 60s or whatever it came out? Yeah, yeah, because it's the same. The NLT comes out of the Living Bible, actually. I didn't know that. Yeah, it does. But it's the same. Um, but if, if you read a Bible, I would suggest um, the NLT that Hunty reads is really good. The NIV is really good. The New King James is really good. I mean, the King James is good if you, if you can understand it, mate. Um, it's it's tough going, the King James, but it's poetic and it's beautiful. The one thing I do know, Hunty, is any version of the Bible is good to read. Um, I just encourage you to go online, find a find a Bible version you like. Go to BibleGateway.com, one word, BibleGateway, one word, yep. dot com. Yeah, that's where I go. Um, and... <laughs> Get a whole lot of translations there, and you can make your own decision on what you want to read, Andrew Hunt. Mm. Um, well, actually, I actually find it difficult to understand if I just read the one version, so I'll hop around good. three or four different versions. Well, that's smart study. And that's how I come to, to a conclusion, is I read different versions. That's very, that's very smart study, and I encourage that. So I don't know where you got that idea from, probably from your own head, <laughs> but it's a good one because what you do is you give yourself a good variety of different... Um, versions and you truly do get the meaning of the text. Good thing about the versions, Hunty, is they all pretty much say the same thing. Yes. It's, it's good, isn't it? It is good. Yeah, okay, mate. Okay, um, I've been watching Facebook and YouTube a lot lately, okay. yep. and there are Muslim Me creatures. too, me too. Not Facebook <laughs> so much, but YouTube. Yeah, look. Love YouTube. <laughs> yes. I like scaring myself on YouTube. I go and watch stuff that scares me, hunty. Yeah, I know, right? You know, cave diving and stuff like that. We get claustrophobic and, oh, I'm sitting there in bed about to go to sleep. Wonder why I don't get to sleep till two at night. Sorry, interrupting the question. Go on. That's okay. You go and watch our Easter program one because Lloyd talks about his his uh, YouTube two. obsession. Two. It's two, is it? It's two. Okay. And um, you'll get to see that cave diving stuff. Anyway, mm. so the question is, are there Muslim preachers saying that Jesus never claims to be God? But Can that, you start that question sure. again? Sorry. I've been watching Facebook and YouTube a lot lately, 
and there are Muslim preachers all over it saying Jesus never claims to be God, but that it is a Christian construct. How would you answer these Muslim preachers? That they haven't got a clue. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Basically. Look, when I'm commenting on Islam, I have to be careful because I don't know the Quran. Do you know what I'm saying, Hunty? Sure. So sure. I can make great statements about the Quran or about Islam, but they'd probably be wrong. Did you it, know that the Quran actually has huge chunks of the Bible in it? Like yeah, yeah, 50% did. of the Quran is actually copies of the oh, Bible. I don't know what percentage, but I know the Bible. It's 50%. I haven't read it. Um, I would hazard a guess most of these Muslim preachers, I've seen this myself on YouTube and or YouTube anyway, making these great claims that Jesus never said he was God. Well, he did. Uh, in a number of places, I can take you in the Bible where Jesus says, I am, which mm-hmm. is a term used for God. Uh, another place, John bows down to him and calls him my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, blessed are you because you've seen. Blessed are those who don't see me mm-hmm. and still believe that. Um, he accepted worship. Jesus, there's no doubt, if you're going to... If you're going to take the Bible, there's no doubt, Hunty, that you're going to have to come to grips with the fact that Jesus is God. Problem is with the Muslim clerics, when you front them with this, and I've done this, they will then go on and say, oh, well, the Bible's not reliable. Well, okay, if that's how you feel, I get that. But it is disingenuous for them to go on to YouTube or whatever and say that Jesus never made the claim he was God when clearly he did. He did, Hunty, and it's not hard. For anyone who's into the Bible, that's not hard to prove. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way either. Um, As I say, I get that they would be struggling to understand the Bible just as I do the Quran. Yeah. Mm. All right, you've got 20 seconds to introduce our next song. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, No pressure. (laughs) And can it be? This is another hymn. We started with a hymn, we're going to close with a a hymn. This is from Songs of Praise, a pretty famous um, hymn Sunday morning program in Britain, Hunty. And this is when they got together a few years ago, and there's thousands in the great auditorium. They've got some beautiful auditoriums in England, Hunty. Oh, for sure. And they're there, they're meeting, they're singing this song, and it's one of my favourite, And Can It Be.
you like that, Hunty? I bold, love that. Bold eye approach the eternal throne. Oh, that's my f- my favourite kind of church music is big. Imagine Manasseh. Mm. Jeffrey Dahmer. Bold I approach the eternal throne. Yep. And claim eternal life through Christ my own. It's very, very powerful. It's all about the grace and the blood of Jesus that can cleanse us from any sin. What did John 3.16 say? For God so loved the so world. loved the world that he gave. That whoever... Oh, yeah. Don't miss that. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Beautiful, isn't it? Yep. Um, that's the end of our program, Hunty. It is. If you're around in northwest Sydney this coming Saturday, I want to invite you to my church at New Hope. I'm going to be preaching. Yeah, please come. I'm going to be preaching on Paul the Apostle and how he would walk through the streets and he'd pass people and his shadow would fall on them. And they'd have terrible sicknesses and they'd get better. I'm going to look at what on earth is going on there, Hunty, and bring it home to 2023. It's a powerful, powerful message. So if you want to come, uh, 10 o'clock, we're at Hunty. Yes, we'd love to see you. Know, you. Do you remember where our church is? I do. Is <laughs> I should put it into the run check so I never forget. Oh, okay. It's four. Samuel Place. It's behind the LD, next oh, door to the BP. There, there it is. Yeah, Quakers Hill in the, in the Life Anglican Church. It's a beautiful church. And it's Saturday, 10 o'clock, and we'd love to see you. If you want to just come for the second service when I'm preaching, sure. About 11 o'clock. Come at 11 o'clock. Yep, stay for lunch. I hope we've got a lunch. We have got lunch on this week, have we? You sure? Don't know. Don't know. Come yeah. anyway. <laughs> If there's no food there, Hunter, he'll give you some. That's it. He'll look after you. I will. I'll take care of you. Okay, let me close with a prayer. Dear Father in heaven, Jesus, we are sinners, all of us, and we're in need of grace, and we're in need of mercy. I thank you for your long suffering as you continue to work with us. May there not be one person out there who does not today see that no matter what their sins, no matter where they've gone, that there is a place in your family for them. May they hear your call. May they respond anyway, no matter how they feel. And may they come to you this day, we pray. Again, through grace, in Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, Hunty, that's it. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty, and I'm the man in black in the back. And we love you. You're getting better at that. We do love you, but Jesus loves you so much more. So much more. See ya. Bye bye. See you next time. Week. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 